We have to prepare for both, and, and they run the same offense. Regardless who's in there, it's just Jamie's a lot more designed runs. They both throw the ball well, and they both manage their system well, and they have good players around them. So we have to be prepared for both guys, and obviously we're not going to know until we get on the field. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. John Grisham is going to join us in about 10 minutes. We're coming back to your Free For All Friday phone calls right now. That obviously was NC State coach Dave Doran. He and Dave Clausen, opposite sidelines tomorrow as the Wolfpack visits the Demon Deacons. Dave Doran was talking about having to prepare for both Jamie Newman, who has had the best quarterback numbers in the entire ACC, and I would argue maybe among the 10 best nationally. Hello, Newman. Or Sam Hartman, last year's starter, now the backup, but with Jamie Newman being hurt lately, he has been the starter in that promotion. We'll see who they get. We know that the Deacons are going to see Devin Leary, the redshirt freshman. First redshirt freshman to start for the pack at quarterback since a guy named Russell Wilson a while back. He has a strong arm. He has done pretty impressive things in relief of previous starters Matthew McKay and Bailey Hockman. Wolfpack fans understandably excited about seeing what Devin Leary can do as a starter. Deacons fans excited about a 6-1 and one start, excited about the possibility of just the second double-digit win season in the history of Wake Forest football, but probably also understandably a little nervous about whether Jamie Newman's going to be ready to go against the Wolfpack. Sam Hartman's a good ACC quarterback. Jamie Newman has been a great ACC quarterback. I think that does matter. We'll see how it unfolds tomorrow afternoon in the ESPN national game. Gray is calling from Key West, Florida. As we come back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Quick reminder on John Grisham. He has sold more than 300 million books. They have been translated now into 55 different languages. He has a new book out called The Guardians that's already number one on the New York Times bestseller list. But he is a huge sports fan. Follows UVA, has a home in Charlottesville, follows UNC, has a home in Chapel Hill, loves Mississippi State. He was an undergrad at that university. Baseball was his favorite sport as a kid. The College World Series is his favorite sporting event as an adult. So we're going to talk sports, baseball, UVA, UNC, and a lot of the other things that keep him busy beyond his best-selling author, author status. Gray and Key West, welcome to Free For All Friday. Others who would like to join with a question, comment, or complaint, the number is 1-800-849-2761. More on NFL Week 9 and College Football Week 10. More on the NBA and the NHL with your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Gray, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. How's Key West right now, man? I'm jealous. Oh, it's awesome. About 88 degrees out here right now. Well, you know, we like to say we like to say every Friday that we as a state are halfway to Margaritaville right around this time on a Friday afternoon. Does that mean, Gray, that you are all the way to Margaritaville? I'm at Duval Street at Margaritaville, the original uh, Jimmy Buffett Cafe. I am jealous, man. I spent a <laughs> lot of time in Key West when I lived in South Florida. Uh, you're just visiting? You're not, you don't live there, right? No, sir. I'm from Four Oaks. Okay, um, I'm cool. here on the, for just for the weekend. Is it your first trip? First trip. Oh, man. Good so far? Good. It's awesome. Is yeah. it smaller than you thought? 
It's, yeah, way more. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, the, uh, <laughs> it's a completely different world down here. For those who haven't been to Key West, I mean, the beaches are, are fun, and and but like anybody thinking that it's a city, it's not really. It's a oh, very boy. small downtown area. You can really walk from one end to the other of sort of their business district, and that is it. There are a lot of people who live in Key West, so it's not like you're running up and down their sidewalks. It's a small downtown, lots of bars, lots of. Uh, you know, umbrella-style drinks and plenty of beach and water action if you're there for that. What's on your mind, young man, as you're all the way to Margaritaville? Um, I was just wondering, uh, I'm a Carolina fan, so I was wondering where you predict their uh, season going, and then what do you think about next year? Are they going to be better recruited and um, a better record next year? And you're talking about Carolina football, right? Oh, yeah, Tar yeah. Hills, yes, sir. Isn't it fun? that Carolina fans in large numbers are calling us in early November about the football team? I mean, seriously, 33 years into this, I would say that there are 20-some years where on November 1st, most Carolina fans had turned the page to basketball. And remember, Roy Williams and the Tar Heels open against Notre Dame next week. So it's kind of fun. It's, it's fun when the ACC as a league has fun football storylines, Clemson, Wake, and others this year into November. And you don't have to just turn the page entirely to basketball, and it's fun on a school-by-school -school basis as well. My answer to your question, and I always tell people, predictions are probably the least valuable thing we do on this show. If you asked me, you know, I have to pick a record, I'll take 7-5 and five for the Tar Heels this year. Now, you can make fun of me if I'm wrong. The coastal chaos is all over the place, so I welcome that feedback if I don't get it right. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. We all know they're not a deep team, so they have to stay healthy to finish strong. And other than a game against Mercer that we all know the Tar Heels are going to win, you have three very hard-to-predict games. What happens against Virginia in Chapel Hill tomorrow night? What happens at Pitt on a Thursday night when the Panthers, who also think they can win the Coastal this year, they won it last year, remember, they're going to be at home on a Thursday night with a jacked-up crowd for the Tar Heels. That's not easy for Carolina on the road, uh, November 14th, that Thursday. Then they're at NC State. And if you ask me who's been the better team so far this year, the answer is Carolina's been better than State so far. But it's in Raleigh, not in Chapel Hill. Devin Leary starts tomorrow for the first time. What does he look like by November 30th when the Tar Heels visit Carter Finley? All those things are very unpredictable. So my guess, because of a Mercer win, and I like the Heels tomorrow night against Virginia, my guess is 7-5. and five. And part two, the answer is that, yeah, they can be better next year. They do lose some quality seniors, but Sam Howell's only a true freshman at quarterback. He is back. Mac Brown is recruiting out of his mind. Most true freshmen don't help you a ton, but some do. It's going to be tricky because Larry Fedora left a handful of seniors that Mac Brown kept in part by saying he wasn't rebuilding. He was getting to a bowl game in his first year right out of the gate because he didn't want to take those seniors for granted. I respect that approach to things. I think it's one of the reasons those guys are playing so hard for him. They have a great chance to get to a bowl, obviously. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to get to that dream 9-4 and four finish with a bowl win. They're just a little too inconsistent and not deep enough for that, but far more good than bad. And, yeah, if they finish 7-5 and five this year, I would think they have a great chance to take another climb up the win ladder next year. Thanks for listening all the way from Key West, Florida. John Grisham is a guy that I have appreciated, if not idolized, for a long time. He is, of course, the prolific best-selling author, most famous for his legal thrillers, 
He also occasionally does books with heavy sports themes, including Playing for Pizza, Bleachers, and Calico Joe. He's very active as a philanthropist, as well as a guy who's cranked out about one book per year for three straight decades. Again, most of them in the legal thriller category. He loves UVA athletics. He loves the sport of baseball. He now, for various reasons, follows both the Cavaliers and the Tar Heels in multiple sports. There's a rumor that he's even a Little League baseball commissioner who built seven baseball fields on his land in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Kind of, sort of, but not exactly like what Kevin Costner did in the Field of Dreams movie. Is that true? We will find out. John Grisham, our guest, next on The David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to good. the show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest is most famous for having sold more than 300 million books translated into 40 languages, and he has yet another number one bestseller. His new book is called The Guardians. It tells the story of a murdered lawyer and an organization's journey to exonerate a man wrongfully convicted and imprisoned for 22 years. As we welcome in the author, John Grisham, I must add, for those who don't know, Huge sports fan, hence his appearance on our statewide sports radio show. Loves Mississippi State Athletics. That's where he got his undergrad degree. Spends a lot of time near Charlottesville, Virginia. He watched the Cavs win the World Series at the college level. Also, Tony Bennett's Cavs win the national championship in hoops, of course. I believe he has family here in North Carolina. John, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Doing fine. Dave, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Your favorite sport to play as a child was baseball. Your favorite sport to watch as an adult is baseball. And I've read your favorite sporting event of all kinds is the College World Series. What is it about that great game with the World Series just ending this week at the pro level that uh, has drawn you in for these last uh, 60 years or so? Well, it's a sport I grew up with. Uh, we were all kids playing Sandlot baseball in Mississippi. And uh, back then, we listened to every Cardinal game uh, on the radio every night, KMOX out of St. Louis, Harry Carey and Jack Buck. And they had a huge uh, tower, so the games went all over the South and Midwest. And we, we grew up with the Cardinals. My dad grew up with the Cardinals. My grandfather grew up with the Cardinals. And it was just you know a family tradition. And baseball was our sport. We played it nonstop. Baseball's my sport. You're one of my favorite authors, and one of my favorite sports movies is Field of Dreams. So I have to know if this is true. Do you really or did you really serve as a Little League Baseball commissioner and cor cutting down cornfield style, <laughs> build six baseball fields on your property? Not exactly the way Kevin Costner did in Field of Dreams, but that seems like a pretty cool part of your story that most people would not know. I am still the commissioner. Cool. I still still own the ballpark. I would love to give it to somebody else. Somebody <laughs> will take it because it costs so much money to maintain it. There's a, there's a reason I write two books a year is to fund little league baseball in Central Virginia. So um, uh, there's there's seven fields. Uh, we have uh, ages five through fifteen. We have 500 kids every spring playing ball, and, and we have we have some of the kids uh, who play there for 11 years from the age of 5 through 15, Man. and uh, so it's a, it's a special place. 
In recent years, I mentioned Brian O'Connor's baseball team at UVA won that College World Series. Tony Bennett's basketball team won that NCAA title. Were you along for both of those rides, given how much time you spend uh, there in the Charlottesville area? I was certainly in Minneapolis back in April when uh, Tony won the national title for the first time. We go to all of the UVA uh, home football games. We go to all of the UVA, almost all of UVA home basketball games. And last year, my wife, who is a Tar Heel, wow. my daughter, and my daughter married a Tar Heel. They live in Raleigh. Uh, oh, boy. My, 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 my daughter has since given birth to Tar Heels, my two <laughs> grandkids. So we all kind of Tar Heels. And my son went to UVA. So when, that, when those two teams play like they will tomorrow, in football, uh, I pull for Mississippi State. I'd stay out of it. But it's, uh, I, we, we, we were there uh, for for the basketball. We've been to uh, two or three Final Fours with Carolina. It was the first Final Four for UVA. We went to that one back in April. Had a wonderful time and, and won that. And last year, my wife Renee, who was born in Raleigh, um, somehow finagled courtside seats in the Dean Dome. So now nice. we have. We have to we have to put our schedule down in for January, February, March, for the two basketball teams, UVA, UNC, all their home games, and we schedule everything around basketball for three months. It's a lot of fun. John Grisham is joining us. His new book is called The Guardians. Most of his books classified as legal thrillers, of course. He also has included some heavy sports themes in a handful of his books, including Playing for Pizza, Bleachers, and Calico Joe. I happen to be a guy, John, who practiced law for 17 years. I grew up loving baseball. Uh, if I ever grow up, I want to be more like you. At this stage <laughs> of your career, in all seriousness, I mean, it is a great honor, and I mean that word, uh, that you're joining us today. Why do you even need to promote your books? Like, I'm buying them either way, man. I'm, I'm a symbol of the loyal John Grisham leader, uh, reader. I'm so glad you're with us. But, like, at this stage of your career, do you even need to do the tours? No. <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's still, Good. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy getting out a little bit. I love going to big, uh, great independent bookstores around the country. And uh, because I love bookstores and hanging out in the stores with the staff and all that, meeting some of the fans, uh, maybe meeting another local author there and uh, doing a show in the store. Uh, but it's just it's fun touring around a little bit. I, I know I, I finished the tour last week for Guardians. Uh, I went to like seven or eight uh, stores and stops and all that. I don't do a whole lot. I get out a little bit and, you know, go, go to the stores and meet some of the fans, meet, meet the folks who make it happen. One more thing about sports and then more about the new book, The Guardians. As you've traveled the country or the world, have you had a sports bucket list where, you know, you check out the Masters in golf or you go to a Super Bowl or a World Cup or an Olympics or something else? Not really. I wanted to go to Fenway and Wrigley, and I got those done a few years ago. Uh, that's probably it with baseball. I've been to the new Yankee Stadium. Can't stand the Yankees. I, I, you know, I play golf. I don't want to go watch a golf with a hundred thousand other people. Not really a bucket list. Uh, more of a travel bucket list. Places I want to go, but not not necessarily sports related. In a commencement speech at UVA, you endorsed young people dreaming big and finding their passions in their workplace. But you called planning mostly a waste of time. What what goes into that sort of advice? Well, we spend so much time planning. Uh, John Lennon famously wrote and saying, uh, life is what happens while you're making all those plans. Yeah. You can plan and plan and plan. And again, that, that's good, but we spend far too much time planning 
next week and next month and some things you just really can't plan. Given your success, I would imagine a lot of people would just be in awe when they meet you and assume that everything just went smoothly for John Grisham dating way back to his days in Arkansas and Mississippi. I have read that you bounced around among a bunch of universities before you even got your undergraduate degree. You weren't sure which way you were going for a while. And then when you wrote A Time to Kill, I mean, this one of the more important books that I believe we've seen uh, in modern America, for that matter, most publishers, I don't know the number, said no thanks, John Grisham, before you were famous. Uh, what, what do you share or what do you remember most about the more challenging times because you sure came out the other side quite nicely. Well, I was asked to leave one college, <laughs> and uh, I, I transferred so many times my parents forgot where I was. <laughs> it took a while to find some traction. I was about 20 years old before the light bulb came on. I said, okay, I can't bounce around for the rest of my life. I had to get serious and study something. I decided to become a lawyer. Uh, as far as publishing, uh, it, when, I, when I started writing A Time to Kill, that was I had a real job. I was a lawyer. I was a member of the state legislature in Mississippi. You know, my wife and I were having kids. We had, we had a real life that was fun and successful. So I always treated the fiction as something that I, I would do part-time. So when I, when I got rejected a lot of times with a, a time to kill, I didn't – you know, I, I, I wasn't suicidal. I just said, okay, rejection's part of it. Yeah. I'll keep writing. And when, when A Time to Kill came out 30 years ago, it, uh, it was a total flop. I mean the book didn't sell. There were 5,000 hardback copies, and we couldn't give them away. And so I, I, that was disappointing, but I, and I, you know, I told my wife, I get this little part-time hobby and just keep suing people. That's what I'm supposed to be doing anyway. And um, the second book was The Firm, and that changed everything overnight. Uh, so there was never a period of you know, you know, depression or self-doubt. I was too busy doing other things. Life was good before the books. John Grisham joining us on the David Glenn Show. The new book, The Guardians, revisits something that you have written about a lot, the American justice system. You hear the skeptics who will say things like, nobody confesses to a crime he didn't commit, or the prosecution's specialized experts proved he did it with this blood spatter or this other expertise. What do you see when you look at these things and others in the modern-day American justice system? Because in The Guardians, uh, you're talking about the exoneration of a man who didn't do it but was imprisoned for 22 years. Well, you have to, you have to start off with the, uh, the knowledge of the belief that there are thousands of innocent people in prison, and most people don't believe that. Uh, it's true, uh, but you know they don't. Wrongful convictions don't affect most people, so they don't think about them, and and so they don't believe that we have thousands of innocent people in prison. Those of us who work in the in this field in this movement, we know it's true. So once we accept that, you go to work to get. How do you get them out? And it's very very difficult. It's slow. It's a painstaking process because you're fought by the police, the prosecutors, the system, the judges, everything all the way through. And when you see these exonerations that we are able to get occasionally, uh, you realize you know there's so many of them now, so many exonerations. There have been 2,500 exonerations in the last 25 years, uh, and that's that's the, the tip of the iceberg. There's because there are so many innocent people in prison, and 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 I tell my friends, you know, when you send an innocent guy to prison, you probably just increase the crime rate because the real killer, the real rapist, is still out there doing bad things. And it, it, it's, it's something we could clean up as a system if we would make some changes in our laws that would be easy to make and, and prevent almost, almost all – not all of them, but almost all 
wrongful convictions can be prevented. And that's what we're working for with the Innocence Project in New York. That's why I'm on this uh, soapbox about wrongful convictions because I I correspond with several guys who are in prison and they're innocent, and I'm pen pals, and we're trying to get them out. And you know, it's it's a very uh, frustrating process. It's very rewarding when you get somebody out, but you know, how, how do you tell a guy that he's been spent 30 years and it's rewarding? So um, uh, that that's a, that's that's my, my call. One of my calls is now. I've, I've written about it several times. I probably will leave it alone for a few books and go on to something else. His nonfiction offering a little bit more than a decade ago was called The Innocent Man. So check out that book uh, and the associated uh, TV or movie specials with it if you want to learn more about that particular topic. Uh, at this stage of your career or even over this evolution, do you write more to entertain with what you love to call the art of storytelling? Or are you more about raising awareness about important issues or maybe even trying to make the world a better place? Uh, no doubt. It's entertainment. It's first. It's always entertainment. I write popular fiction, hopefully of a high quality, to entertain my readers and give them something to enjoy. That's that's my goal every time, and my goal every time is to write the best book I've ever written. I, I started a book with this in mind. I, I want to write the best book I've ever written. And so that's that's my goal. Sometimes I will include an issue like wrongful convictions and death penalty or you know uh, any one of a, a dozen issues I've written about and kind of weave that through a legal thriller. But then I'll then I'll go write a book like you know Calico Joe, which is pure sports, yeah. pure fun, pure. That's that that's a that's a diversion for me is to write the book that's purely inter, you know per, entertaining without a cause. So I do both. I go back and forth. You wrote A Time to Kill in the 1980s, and there's just a whole lot on racial justice and injustice matters in there. Here in 2019, how do you describe how much progress our country has made along those lines? That's astonishing, uh, the progress. Uh, we've made so much progress that it's still so frustrating to realize how far we have to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we've done so much. We've come so far. We've uh, we, we've changed so many laws and attitudes and, and uh, ways of doing things, but we still have – we're still plagued with uh, – there's so much racism inherent in the system, and it will take – I'm optimistic because I look at my kids. I look at the way I grew up in the 1950s and 60s, Jim Crow South. Yeah. Um, but it was tough. We were, we were – you know, we, it was a very racist, hard, all-white society. It was going to stay that way. You know, I, I, I live that way. I experienced that as a kid. My parents believe that, or my, my family. That's just the way it was. And you look at the way how far we, I've come as a as a human being, and I've changed tremendously. I look at my own kids. Uh, they're not hung up about race or sexual orientation. Or it doesn't bother them. Yeah. They, they accept it. Doesn't bother. And I, I think we get. I think we're making progress. I think we are. I hope so. I'm more uh, tolerant. I certainly hope so. I, I believe that. We may be running out of time with you, but I have to squeeze this in. Uh, your books have been translated into 40 languages. I'm a fairly well-educated person, and I'm not, I start running out of, like, fingers and toes really quickly when I start trying to name all the languages of the world. Do you have any idea of the 40 languages that your books have been translated into? Or do you, uh, do you start much. running out, yeah. too? <laughs> yeah, we, we, the, the, last, the last one, we actually we're up to 55. Wow. Last week, I got, I got, I got a batch of contracts in, and we, for the first time, uh, signed a translation contract in Estonia. Wow. Uh, that was another one. A uh, thousand bucks for that one. We still don't have uh, <laughs> Arabic or uh, Swahili in Kenya and we, East Africa. I want to get that one. 
But yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by the uh, by the foreign rights. I keep all of uh, uh, I keep all the foreign books on a shelf. So when they publish a book in Finland, my Finnish publisher will send me five copies. I, I have nothing to do with five copies of, of Finnish in Charlottesville, but I, I like to put them on the shelf and uh, and I look at them every day. It's, it's fascinating to to see the books uh, published around the world. As we thank you for your time and let you go, just for the record, in case Michael, I think that's your son-in-law who may have assisted in setting up this interview, Shay would be your daughter. You got this weird combination of Tar Heels and Cavalier support, et cetera. You still have your uh, property in the Chapel Hill area? Like, are the Grishams that deeply rooted here so that, that uh, we might even encounter you from time to time? We're here all the time. I'm, I'm in Chapel Hill right now. Oh, cool. Uh, we, ha we have a house in Chapel Hill we bought three years ago, and uh, my wife does a lot of uh, nonprofit work at UNC. She's a big Tar Heel, so she's down here all the time. The grandkids are in Raleigh, so we're here all awesome. the time to see them. We went trick-or-treating last night. <laughs> we're here today. We're here for the UVA-UNC football game tomorrow night. So we're down, and we're here for all UNC basketball games. So we spend a lot of time at Chapel Hill. Man, you're only 64 years old, and when I look in your rearview mirror, like there's a lot of stunning accomplishments personally and for professionally. For those who don't know, uh, John has also helped raise, I don't know if this number is totally up to date, but it was like $9 million the last I saw for Hurricane Katrina relief. What is left for you? What are these remaining priorities besides being you know, a great dad and husband and grandpa uh, and a great writer? David, there's nothing on the list. Uh, I don't keep those lists. Uh, you know, I thank God for every day, healthy and happy and working and, uh, and having another idea for another book, having the ability to write that, having the ability to, uh, to do whatever I want to do. And I'm very, very fortunate and very thankful for that. I don't, I don't look at the future and say, my gosh, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I would love to improve my golf game. But it's, <laughs> it's, um, I, st I started playing when I was 50 years old, which is insane. Right. Okay? And, and I realized right off the bat, I have no time for practice and no time for lessons. I'd rather play. So if you do that, you're going to stink forever. So I got to, you know, I want to get better, but I hate taking lessons. Are, are you I at the playing. Are you at the bogey golf level? Or are you shooting like a ninety, or are you, you know, up there in triple digits? You, you, usually around ninety-five. Yeah, that's, that's not that's, that's not that's, horrible. That's, that's, yeah, that's, you know, breaking a hundred is uh, for weekend hackers is, is a big deal. Oh yeah. Oh, trust me, I can identify with <laughs> with your lawyer background, your writer background. Not uh, all these best-selling books in f uh, fifty-five different languages, but the weekend warrior golf, I definitely can identify with. Uh, I'll tell you what, John. I have interviewed United States presidents, uh, governors, Hollywood actors and actresses. Uh, you're one of my favorite interviewees ever, so I really thank you for carving out some time here on the David Glenn Show. It's my honor to speak with you. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it. John Grisham, the numbers, more than 300 million books sold, translated into the updated number, 55 languages and counting. I'm not even sure this number is right. Is it now 29 consecutive number one fiction bestsellers? Like I'm taking this info from his website. But it gets updated so frequently because he has a new one all the time. This one is called The Guardians. It's already number one uh, on the bestseller list. Tells the story of a murdered lawyer and an organization's journey to exonerate a man wrongfully convicted and imprisoned for 22 years. I have read almost every John, uh, book that John Grisham has written. Which is seemingly impossible. It's, like it's, it's almost as impossible as him writing so much. I, I have much not read has. The Guardians, which <laughs> is the brand new one. I tend to be like one or two behind, basically. Uh, so, but there's like one on 
You've been to the Glenn household. There's one on the table right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that one's called Rooster Bar. So I'm a couple behind. I usually get the paperback. I could be on an airplane. I could be at the beach. Uh, Maybe the rare quiet house. Just maybe no big games on TV that night. Cuddle up next to Oliver, our dog, and and read more John Grisham. I'm serious, man. If I ever grow up, I want to be like John Grisham. What, what is it? What has this guy not done, man? What he's a humanitarian. He built, and that number's a new one. It used to be six. He added another baseball yeah. field to his property in Central Virginia. Are you kidding me? I read that twenty-six. That number has probably gone up since I saw it on the website. Twenty-six little league teams basically use John Grisham's backyard as where they get to play this game they love. I mean, seriously, $9 million in Hurricane Katrina relief. He served in the Mississippi legislature as a politician. He practiced law for a long time, and even during his writing career at one point, kind of like I went inactive as an attorney, but you can reactivate it if you need to. There was somebody's case that he was so engaged in that he decided to go reactivate his legal case, uh, legal license. And uh, I think it was kind of a, a wrongful death or personal injury type case. And he won the person like a high six-figure, uh, maybe not settlement, but verdict. So <laughs> what hasn't he done? What's left, man? He sees, he sees Tony Bennett and the Cavs win it all. He sees Brian O'Connor and the baseball Cavs win it all. Both of those are what, the last three years? It was Tony this past spring. It was Coach O'Connor two years ago, maybe, two and a half years ago. Uh, the sports bucket list. And, and he remember, he had to bounce around so many universities, his mom and dad weren't sure where he was. And I read that more than 20 publishers turned down the transcript to A Time to Kill. And when he finally got one, this is the one. This was the one that launched him into fame. I mean, it was the next book that really made him wealthy and even more well known. But a time to kill, an amazing book from the 1980s. They were so excited about its promise, they printed 5,000 copies. That was it. I think <laughs> it has sold quite a few more since then. What an amazing dude, man! I don't get it. Have you ever seen me in awe of anybody? I, I mean, I no, just, th- just this week, I went after a United States senator. I'm not afraid of anybody, and I'm not in awe of hardly anybody. I may be in awe of John Grisham. I might be. Have you ever seen me in awe of anybody? You've seen me go toe-to-toe with billionaires. Yeah. If, if I think I'm right, I don't care if they're a billionaire and I'm not. I don't care. You're either right or you're wrong. doesn't matter what shoes you're standing in. Either your idea is the better one or it's not. I don't get in awe. I don't think it. No, I don't. Th- I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I would imagine the way that you approached this interview could only be matched by like if I got you Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> yeah, but think about it. What did I grow up playing and loving? Baseball, John Grisham. What did I do for a long time? Wrote, in my case, nonfiction. In his case, mostly fiction. Uh Social justice causes. Yeah, I've been involved. The legal backgrounds in them. for both. I get it. You Chari- guys are like kindred spirits. Part. I'm like the crumb version 
of the Mount Everest that John Grisham is. And I, I'm perfectly okay with that description. If I can even be that crumb compared to what that mountain has done, man, I'll just, I'll just try to keep collecting crumbs. And eventually, maybe I'll be a hill. And then he'll still, a mound. Be, he'll still be the mountain. Uh, John Grisham, author. You may have heard of him. The Guardians is the new book. Check it out. As he said, he doesn't need to do these interviews. I have a feeling millions of people are going to buy The Guardian, uh, The Guardians, whether he stopped by the David Glenn Show here in North Carolina or not. I'm kind of giddy, man. I'm very excited about this. It is Free For All Friday. We are coming back to your phone calls. Extra special thanks to John Grisham and all of those who helped set this up as intermediaries. He gave us a lot of time there, and that's a very busy, wealthy, popular, successful dude. Much appreciation to John Grisham and his staff. We're back after this and back to your phone calls next on The David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. And yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. For the record, Darren Vaught, you've been my producer for four years. That is on the short list of my favorite interview subjects. And I've been at this for a long, long time. Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Man, I wish you were with me when I had Hank Aaron on the show. Are you kidding me? Obviously, we get Coach K and Roy Williams all the time. Bobby Bowden of Florida State, Dabo Sweeney nowadays at Clemson, regular guests here on our show, even though they're from other states. Adam Sandler, President Barack Obama, President George W. Bush, governors, Brooklyn Decker, Brooklyn Decker, <laughs> Brooklyn Decker, <laughs> Brooklyn Decker, among my favorite interview subjects ever. She dropped by after seeing her first Duke Carolina basketball game. So there was an actual sports-related reason to have her on. Frankly, that rule is not necessary for Brooke and Decker. She can drop by any time. Uh, but the fact that John Grisham is such a big sports fan made that even more enjoyable. Certainly for me, I hope for the rest of you statewide in North Carolina and beyond as well. We are back to Free For All Friday. Best I can focus after that fantastic fun. We have NFL Week 9 on our mind. We have College Football Week 10 on our mind. Wolfpack at Demon Deacons. Tar Heels hosting UVA. The Grisham family is in disarray because UVA and UNC are going head-to-head, and he married a Tar Heel, and his daughter's a Tar Heel. Trying to remember if his son-in-law is also a Tar Heel. Michael, thanks to him for uh, helping us with his father-in-law. I hope you got as lucky with your father-in-law as I did with the lovely and talented Maria's mom. You know all the mother-in-law jokes? I know them. They just don't apply to me. I got the greatest mother-in-law you could possibly ask for. I hope Michael feels that way about John Grisham. 1-800-849-2761. Brett has the NFL on his mind. You can jump in on the World Series leftovers. College basketball preview stuff. NASCAR's coming down the stretch. The Canes have back-to-back home games tonight and tomorrow. The NBA regular season has ramped up. Questions, comments, complaints, predictions, they're all fair game. 1-800-849-2761. Darren, you know when I get a question and the answer is something they don't want to hear, what is my policy? If I have to choose between pure 
hit you between the eyes with the sad truth or sugarcoating something, how am I going to handle it? Oh, it's going to be the former every time. I, I just, it's just who I am. So as I get various, lots of requests for predictions today. I don't know why that's the case. Brett is in Waynesville. You can join us with your question or comment at 1-800-849-2761. Remember, it could be off the board. That's the nature of Free For All Friday. Hence, visits from folks like John Grisham from slightly beyond the traditional sports world. DG, I'm a Virginia Tech fan. Do you like the Hokies' chances at number 16 Notre Dame this weekend? You know, answer, no. I don't like your, I don't like your chances at all. Your defense is not good enough. And frankly, Notre Dame's defense is so good that you're going to have trouble moving the ball, I think. DG, I'm an ECU fan. I have been impressed by some things under first-year head coach Mike Houston, but I am worried about the Pirates against number 17 Cincinnati. Answer, I'm worried too. The Pirates have virtually no chance of beating the Bearcats. Do they, are they pointed in the right direction? Yes. Do I think Mike Houston's a great coach with a really good track record? Absolutely, positively, no doubt about it. Is this going to be a bowl season for the Pirates? Probably not. And can you beat Cincinnati at Dowdy Ficklin tomorrow? I mean, I guess it's theoretically possible, but I would put it in the will Virginia Tech win at South Bend category. You know, one out of 100, I guess. But no, Notre Dame's much better than Virginia Tech. Cincinnati is much better than ECU. 1-800-849-2761. I wonder if I have to give another sad answer to Brett in Waynesville. It's really a lot more fun to just tell people what they want to hear. But I don't know. It's just not my style. What's going on, Brett? Welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Yes, I uh, love the show, first off. And I wanted to see what you think the chances are of the Steelers making the playoffs this year. And then I have uh, another question about the Steelers. Yeah, the short answer is I don't like your chances. And I root for the Steelers, even though I'm a Philly guy. My brother and wonderful sister-in-law and my goddaughter live in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm a fan of Mike Tomlin. I'm a fan of how they've run that organization for the most part for a long time. What are they, three and four right now as they host Indianapolis this weekend? It's not impossible. I mean, you're not like, you know, there's what, eight to ten NFL teams that have absolutely no chance of going anywhere this year. If you're a fan of the Bengals, Washington, Miami, the Giants, the Jets, Arizona, Atlanta, Tampa, Denver, Cleveland, I think fits into that category at this point, you have no chance. If you're a Steelers fan, it's an uphill battle. But if you beat the Colts, you're 4-4. Four and four. Would I bet on you making it? No, I would not. In part, I just don't think Mason Rudolph is all that good. I mean, he's doing his best. He's in for the injured Ben Roethlisberger. There are plays, weeks where he makes enough plays to help him win, but I don't think he's an NFL-caliber starting quarterback, and I don't, I don't think he's going to be leading them anywhere this year. Okay. What was your follow-up? The follow-up is the NFL is set the Hall of Fame to put in, what, 20 players in 2020? And with the Steelers from the 70s, would you pick Elsie Greenwood, mm. Andy Russell, Donnie mm. Shell? Mm. I mean, Russell went to, what, seven or eight pro bowls. Greenwood retired with the most sacks in the history of the Steelers at the time. 
And still have 51 interceptions, most by safety in the history of football. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember all those guys. I guess I would lean Shell, but that's a hard question to answer off the top of my head. You know how it works at the Hall of Fame? Like Peter King and others have stopped by as guests on our show, and Peter is in that room. You know, guys do volumes of research and then bring those volumes into that room as they debate, all right, here's our original group, and then we're going to whittle it down to the finalists. And I've been told it gets heated in there. Um, the good news for you is all of those guys are candidates. I think Donnie Shell's the guy who jumps out from the list you gave me, but that's just kind of, you know, halfway to Margaritaville off the top of my head on a Friday afternoon. If I was actually in that room and a voter for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I would want to do a lot more research than what I just gave you right there. The Canes are home, and I'll see you at PNC Arena tonight. Some of you want in on hockey. College basketball starts Tuesday night. Duke and Carolina have had recent exhibitions. The Tar Heels actually tonight. Cole Anthony, the true freshman point guard, one more chance to look at him before he is asked to essentially carry the torch for the Tar Heels this year. World Series leftovers and a whole lot of football. You can steer us elsewhere with your question or comment. 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. How can you be a part of the same show as John Grisham? By dialing this number right now and offering your question or comment on sports or our show. Or both. 1-800-849-2761. As we come back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls, another update on Cam Newton and a trip to see a foot specialist. How about Cam's brother taking a visit to you to a North Carolina football program? And more on Halloween next on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.